1: I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News. And now it's time for the Jack Riccardi show.
2: Hey, Is the NFL draft finally over?
1: Yeah, it's over. Oh, okay. Jack, that Seems was like done, it would never end. That was on Saturday. Where you oh been? Oh my gosh, how many rounds were there? <laughs> There's 7 now. Oh, I mean, that must be like drafting from the
2: cosmetology schools and the But what were you Aviation do? flight training schools and come on.
1: What were you doing back in the days when it was 14 rounds?
2: I know. I know, I know. Well, I'm trying to distract myself, Christian. I I know you'll understand this from the epic collapse of the Boston Bruins. Mm, Hockey fans won't get this, but the Boston Bruins had not only the best regular season record, they had the best regular season record anyone's ever had. Mm, Yeah. And, I mean, it's... it it was it defied all expectations and and it it thrilled probably the most hockey crazed city in the country maybe Philadelphia would be up there but mm-hmm. um so the and, you, and in the NHL you win what's called the President's Cup if you have the best record but that's not yeah. what you really want to win what you really want to win is the Stanley Cup which is the equivalent of the Super Bowl yep. so they get into the first round and it's seeded like the NBA so you're the first seed you play the eighth seed and they go up 3-2 on the Florida Panthers, who are not a bad team. Right. But happen to be the eighth seed this year. In fact, last year, I think the Florida Panthers had the best record. I think they won the President's Cup. But anyway, they're the eighth seed. Three chances to put them away. Could not do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Could not do it. Can I give Out you some playoffs.
1: perspective here? Sure. Cause you're in South Texas now. How, how, how long have you been down in Texas now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Too long to be talking about hockey, probably, but
1: that's, my, that's, my personal, that's been my personal
2: uh, issue. That's why I'm saying
1: it. Well, it's a true story. Back in 92, a few friends of mine were at a, an establishment having wings. I'll let you do the math on where it was. And the waitresses started walking around these pins and, and koozies and stuff, mm. and we see Dallas Stars Mm, on mm. this stuff now what was happening with the cowboys in 92 okay mm. i mean this you know dynasty being born mm-hmm. so you know cowboys interest is at an all-time high not seen since you know america's team way back and we're like this is hockey really yeah. okay so you know we kind of get away with calling them the dallas stars by the way well because, somebody' was
2: asleep at the switch over with the cowboys
1: well, yeah, and and they had been the Minnesota North stars, I guess, right, right. And so we were joking amongst each other like we were thinking, why would they bring hockey to, to Texas Dallas. Yeah. you know,
2: and now it's in Florida and the Carolinas,: and It's in Phoenix. Arizona,
1: it's yeah. in the desert, yeah, and so I don't know, maybe it's time to turn the page, Jack.
2: Gee, very comforting. Thank yeah, you. I'm Christian. just kidding uh, yeah. with you. I I'll bring <laughs> I'll bring some other personal issues uh, to the table next <laughs> right. hour. See if you can walk walk me through those. <laughs> All right then. Well, I am. I'm trying to. I'm just. I'm going to distract myself with a lot of. I, here's another story. I'll start the show with this. Actually, the show's already started, but I'll start it again. Um, no. Um, last day of early voting is tomorrow, and I uh, went and early voted today. Um, I didn't get to it last week, so I went today. And, you know, we've been talking. You've heard me say this a number of times on the show. This uh, thing with Prop A is going to come down to turnout. It's going to depend who votes and who the voters are and what half uh, what have you. I was sure when I went this I go to the same place at the same time of day every time I vote, so I I know what to expect. I brought a book. I thought I'd be there for a while. There was no one in front of me. No one parked, walked in, vote. It took more time to park the car than it did to vote. And then I saw something that really worried me. I came out of the the library where I voted, and this uh, older couple had gotten out of their car, and there was a guy in the parking lot that was offering to explain Proposition A to anybody that didn't know what it was. And he wasn't getting any, there was nobody there. And this couple went over to him And I could hear the questions. They were about to vote, and they didn't know what it was. So here they had come to vote, and now they're finding out in the parking lot what Prop A is. So I I would be a little worried if I were you. I'm just saying they're still voting tomorrow and on Saturday, but uh, I I don't know what to make of that. Um, I have thought for a long time, and it sounds crazy, that we were kind of, uh, jerked around a little bit or psyched a little bit on Prop A, that the people that introduced it into our midst and made sure it was on the ballot, then pretended they were all against it. Some of the candidates that, that were for it are now even putting on their signs that a vote for them is a vote against Prop A, which isn't even true. And, um, it's, it feels like they don't want you to notice it's there. And they don't want a lot of additional or out-of-the-ordinary voters, people that don't usually participate in city elections, to vote. And so that's just how it looks. I, I, we'll see what happens. I'm not making any predictions. I don't have any polling. But um, it's something to watch. So early vote tomorrow or vote on Saturday. Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, sent a letter to Greg Abbott yesterday and I don't know if you know this or not, but the Greyhound buses are still rolling. We haven't really talked about this lately, but they, they are still, the state is still busing illegal immigrants to sanctuary cities like New York and Chicago. And Lightfoot sent a letter to Abbott pleading with him to not send any more. And in the letter, she says Chicago is a welcoming city and we continue collaborating and we want to collaborate, but we just can't do it. We have over 8,000 people, and they need everything. It's like she's telling a guy that wouldn't know anything about it. Like, you're never going to believe this, Greg Abbott, but there are illegal immigrants coming over the southern border. So Mayor Obvious is telling Abbott, this is terrible. This is a burden. We don't know what to do. Now, I have to say, when this started, And you may remember this, too. We talked about it when the buses first started rolling. When we first heard of this idea, Greg Abbott was locked in a primary race with a couple of other Republicans trying to run to the right of him. And I thought at the time, and I think I said it at the time, that I wondered if the bus thing was just to sort of establish his, you know, sort of tough stance on immigration and to to make sure he didn't get... He upset in a, in a, in a Republican primary. Well, obviously, he won the nomination. He won the election. He beat Beto. Um, he's still rolling these buses. And I got to say, at this point, this has been one of the most effective tools, one of the most effective gestures any elected official has made about the crisis on the border. Because what it's done is it's forced cities where they were good at talking about sanctuary and no one is illegal now they actually have to walk the walk they were good at talking the talk but they weren't good at walking the walk and they're acting like this is new when all they're experiencing is what much smaller and poorer cities and towns including many here have had to deal with you're freaking chicago You know, I mean, it's embarrassing that you can't handle this. You've begged for immigration. You've been a sanctuary city. You've lectured the rest of the country. But when you actually had to put up, you couldn't do it. So I, I, I have to say, this has been a game changer. This has been a conversation changer. Abbott, by the way, is also taking heat. Have you heard this? So you know about the the killings in San Jacinto County and the guy that did it is an illegal immigrant who was deported numerous times and they're still looking for him. And Abbott is getting dinged by the media because he referred to this guy and to the victims as illegal immigrants because I guess they were illegal immigrants. Now... Is it worse to call people illegal immigrants or is it worse to let them be killed by someone who wasn't supposed to be here? So I know that the left wants to talk about the gun and they want to talk about the insensitivity of words, but getting killed is pretty insensitive. And it's typical that they don't want to deal with the problem they've largely created, but they do want to dicker and bicker over the wording, right? The words hurt. The words are are mean and disgusting and and, um, insensitive and despicable and deplorable. By the way, speaking of the media, I can't count how many times I've heard this, uh, this killer described in the national media as a Texas man. He's a Texas man. You know, that would be like be calling the uh, 9-11 hijackers Boston men because that's where they got on the airplanes. He's an illegal immigrant. He's a Mexican national. I mean, look, the most important thing is that people have been killed. But he's not a Texas man. And from the people that always lecture us about how important words are and words matter, that word matters. That word matters a lot. Speaking of journalists, um, and you would certainly be okay in my book if you didn't know this had happened, but they had the, um, the White House correspondence dinner over the weekend. And this is the thing they used to call the nerd prom. The, the, this is where the, the, Journalists who cover the White House have like their coming out party. They get all dressed up and they walk the red carpet, and they they have celebrity guests. There are movie stars and models and and directors and Hollywood people. And the nerd prom thing was coined or or hashtagged some years ago because the idea was that these journalists are kind of nerdy and urkly and. And all of a sudden they get to dress up and rub elbows with Ron Howard or, you know, whoever. And, and, and they were all, uh, you know, in their glory about it. And, um, they had, I, I, I listened to a little bit of it. They had some comedian I've never heard of and it was dreadful. I mean, it was dry and it was dreadful. And it was about Trump and it, you know, it, it, Biden got up and did a few minutes of material. They must have had him juiced up for that. But I was thinking back to when journalists really could take a joke. Because what they have to do now with the nerd prom is bring somebody in who won't hurt their feelings. And I'm going to play you an example of what I mean. Um, These people weren't always this boring. They weren't always this sensitive. They used to be able to mix it up. And, and, And here's the other thing. Who cares? I mean, this is like the ultimate. If you don't care about award shows, you really don't care about the White House Correspondence Dinner. And I don't know if, if I'm remembering this correctly or not, but I thought today, I was thinking today, did they stop doing the dinner while Trump was there? But you know what it was? I just looked it up. They had it, but he didn't come to it. And they were so um, into their whole uh, Trump is a threat to democracy and these are grave times and free speech is dying they they actually instead of making it a comedy mc they brought in a historian that sounds like a great dinner yeah i mean you know so they they couldn't even have like their party because of trump he's so bad these times are so serious i mean this dinner went on during wars and it went on during the recession and it went on but no we can't we can't have it because Trump. And yet, who did they talk about over the weekend? They talked about Trump. Welcome to a new month, new week. Same old guy. Um, OG, Jack Riccardi. Um, you can join the show at 210-599-5555. Uh, you can vote in the JR poll at KTSA.com. Does it look to you like Prop A passes or fails? If you've already voted, I'm just curious. What was it like where you voted? Because it was dead. It was dead. And, uh, I did not see anything that indicated to me, and I'm just, this is not a scientific survey, but I didn't see anything that indicated to me, oh, wow, there's a bunch of new people out here voting. So, um, and then we're talking about the, uh, the, the shootings in, uh, Cleveland, Texas, and all of the scolding that is coming from the Democrats because of uh, the indignity of governor abbott referring to them as illegal immigrants and of course pushing back on the idea that this this guy is a texas man he's a texas man like florida man texas man but here's here's the thing that's that's so uh hypocritical on the left when you're an illegal immigrant you are the pinnacle of human dignity. I mean, nothing is too good for you. Hotel suites in midtown Manhattan, jet airplane travel paid for by the taxpayers, nothing, nothing is too good for you. So why is it that when somebody kills you or does violence to you and, and is also an illegal immigrant, then all of a sudden your life is ish? It doesn't matter. We don't talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. Or we want to make it sound like something else. They don't really care about these people. It's not Greg Abbott who's using them as pawns. It's sanctuary city mayors and governors. It's, it's people that only want to talk about the dignity of the immigrants when it makes them look better. But when it doesn't serve a purpose, notice now they've turned this whole thing into the a discussion about the gun he used. It's about the guns. Not, the, not the, person who did it not who he was not who the victims were all abbott is doing whatever you think of Abbott, all abbott is doing is accurately describing the situation can't can't do that it's terrible awful just awful julian castro five human beings lost their lives and greg abbott insists on labeling them illegal immigrants where was his concern about all the people that died coming across the border where was his concern about the border patrol agents that were supposedly whipping them down on the river? You know, just, just sit down and shut up, okay? I mean, really, we've we've heard enough. We know your routine. It's like when AOC posed by the fence with her remember she was she was doing the fake sob? She had both hands cupped around her face and she was sobbing at the at, at the personal pain that she was feeling about the detention center under Trump. I mean things are so much worse there now. Uh you know, I mean uh, sobbing wouldn't even come close. So, we don't know when this guy came into the country illegally last, but he was deported 5 times. He entered his neighbor's home. He killed everybody inside. They had no chance. They had no defense. And we've got former politicians quibbling over what to call them, what the right terminology is. And the thing about this that's frustrating, I guess, and I don't want to belabor it, but we we've, we've talked about this before. the The Democrats used to be, and the Democrats and the Republicans used to be both interested in proving to you. That they had cred about immigration and illegal immigration and the border. And the thing that used to keep the Democrats in check on this was, was the unions. But they have completely lost the thread. They, they don't, they don't even have a a coherent narrative at this point. Their position on the border, their position on illegal immigrants doesn't make sense to any of their constituencies. It's not working for Hispanic people. It's not working for black people. It's not working for young people. It's not working for people who live in border states. It's not in blue states. And I think, by the way, one of the reasons mayors like Lori Lightfoot and Eric Adams are throwing hissy fits about the buses that are showing up is that it's not very popular with their base either. So all of a sudden, sanctuary cities aren't so sure they want to be sanctuary cities but see someone had to test them someone had to push them if we hadn't done it i don't i say we i had nothing to do with it if texas hadn't done it they'd still be up there saying we'd know what to do we'd be able to take care of it we'd handle that we, It wouldn't be a crisis for us but see now they now everybody knows the truth i, I don't know how many minds it changed It sure exposed a lot of hypocrisy and phoniness, and I'm always a fan of that. Jack Riccardi for Monday. You can join the show at 210-599-5555. Are you offended that Governor Greg Abbott referred to the illegal immigrant who shot those people, his neighbors, near Cleveland, Texas? And, of course, the victims are also being described as illegal immigrants. I I will say this. I will say this. Okay. There are a lot of offensive things to me about the way politicians deal with the border. Uh, and and I'm offended by people in both parties, okay? We've been lied to uh by both parties. Both parties have made this mess. I firmly believe both political parties would rather it stayed a mess because they fundraise off it. You know, it's a sad reality of politics today that if you're a political party, it's more valuable to you to stir the pot and keep the, the, you know, the wound from healing than it is to heal it or solve a problem because people forget about that in two seconds. But you can keep sending out the, you can keep sending out the fundraising blasts and the, and the, the, you know, Robo calls and all that stuff. If you can keep something going, and so both parties, I, 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 with a few exceptions, both parties want to keep this thing hot and bothered. But you let the guy back in over and over and over. You're not keeping people like him out of the country. You have no business lecturing anybody about simply accurately describing. What happened? And I think this is what's leading to people realigning. And I don't think we've, uh, we in the media, I don't think we even have a handle on this. But, you know, you look at the numbers that Trump pulled with Hispanic voters. And this is a, a population of people who were told repeatedly, he hates you. He thinks the worst of you. He hates people like you. He's a racist. He's a bigot. And he's got um, a lead, a substantial lead, with Hispanic voters in Texas. And it may not just be him. I mean, it might be, and that's a good question. Is it just him, or or are these people that have gotten sick of politicians' who say one thing and do the other because say what you want about him but when it came to the border he said and did the same thing. And I think Abbott and some of these other republicans I think they caught a little bit of the the backbone from Trump and the other guy that I think did it was Tucker Carlson. We talked a lot about him last week and and you know there's even some news about him today I'll get to but um If you think about what's happened to the Republican or conservative movements in the last few years, there've really been two people that have pushed them out of their comfort zone, that have that have pushed country club Republicans and you know the the think tank conservatives, the Heritage and the Weekly Standard and the you know the 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 people go to CPAC and like to get together for drinks and you know I've never had any use for any of that. Because it just never gets us anywhere. Why would I want to go to some other city, stay in a hotel, and hang around with people that are just going to say, yeah, you're right, and I'm going to say that to them, and then we're going to go home. So Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump, each in their own ways, and I'm not saying they're the same, have kind of pushed and and shoved and scared and infused a little backbone You look at what Kevin McCarthy is doing. You look at what Greg Abbott is doing. That's a product of those two guys. And I don't think that's over yet because success breeds imitation. And there will be more imitators the more success there is. So 210-599-5555, we're talking about Prop A, on the JR poll powered by River City Oral Surgery. What are your thoughts about it, passing or failing? We're going to find out on Saturday. Kevin is on the Jack Riccardi Show on KTSA. Kevin, good afternoon.
0: Hey, Jack. How are you doing? Um, I haven't really voted one way or against, but I've got one question. This will kind of make me decide which way I want to go. Um, is the penalty for the vandalism and the $750 or less, is the penalty still the same, or, or is that on the table as being changed?
2: I'm not sure what you're asking me. What do you mean?
0: Okay. Um, Okay, like like if you commit vandalism or the $750 fine, or I mean the the theft under $750, there's a penalty. There's usually a fine. I don't think these are jailable offenses, so there's a fine for these. If you commit these crimes, you get a fine, or, you know, you you get a fine. Is, Is that changing, or is the fines and the penalties for these crimes still the same?
2: You know, I'm okay, still, let me, let me, I, I don't really understand, me, I'm me, sorry, I don't really understand what you're asking me. Are you asking me okay, what, okay, are you asking got, me what's got, in that. the proposition? Do you want me to send you a copy of it, or?
0: No, 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 okay, this, this is what I'm trying, okay, I'll, I'll just get right to the point, Jack, that's what I'm saying. I think this comes around to, because I've seen the signs where it talks about arrest. There's going to be no hmm. more arrest for these crimes. And arrest just means you're a, yes. a, a handcuffed ride down to the, to the police station to see the judge these aren't jailable offenses. So, if, if I,
2: I see what you okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Are you you're saying people are hyping it as more of a change than it really is?
0: Well, I'm saying everyone's like they're, they're not they're not going to arrest you. I'm like, well, okay, and these cars, you're,
2: you're saying in the end at the end of the day it really won't matter whether we have it or not. Is that what you're saying? Let me
0: saying? do this quick. Let me do this quick scenario to you, so you can see where I'm coming from. Well, hurry,
2: get if to it, Kevin, because we're already wasting time okay, here. here. I mean, here I'm, I'm trying.
0: Go. Here I go. Here I go, Jack. Here I go. If a cop if a cop catches uh, somebody doing vandalism or these crimes, he will get them and arrest them and take them downtown where they right. will see a judge or a magistrate, and the magistrate will will say the fine. You got to pay this. Or right now we're saying, well, can't the cop just when he's sitting there, um, do, cite and release, give give him the same fine because the penalty's the same. I would rather the cop just cite and release because if I only have two cops patrol my neighborhood, mm-hmm. now one of them has to leave and take this guy mm-hmm. downtown. So he'll yeah,
2: be that's a that's a down. lame that's a lame excuse. That's the, by by that what? definition, then we, we we could we could say that about anything. We don't want to no, we don't want to stretch our already thing. thin. Now you know what Kevin you know what Kevin I let you talk I let you talk. You okay, asked the the question. Same, so you, a you, question. The
0: memes you, you, you you asked a
2: question, but you don't want the answer, do you? You don't want the answer. Well, you, said you, you just wanted to say it, that. And I understand, and I understand, same. I understand what you're doing. I understand what you're doing. I know what very well what you're doing. What am I doing? <laughs> I know exactly I, I, I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. And and it is the argument. This is the case. Kevin is making the Kevin is making the case that the pro-prop A people are making, which is, hey, everybody, don't get your, you know, don't let your hair on fire. This is really not that big a deal. Um, I'll tell you there's two reasons why I know it is a big deal. I'll tell you two reasons why I know it's a big deal. The first is that you wouldn't camouflage it with the language about abortion and pot If you weren't, if there wasn't something to hide, you never use camouflage when there's nothing to camouflage. And everybody knows on both sides of Prop A that the abortion language and the pot language are completely unenforceable. They're not legislated at the municipal level. They would never take effect. They would never survive their very first uh, exposure to a, to a, a judge. So the camouflage is the first thing that tells you that what's in the middle of the sandwich is important. But here's the other thing that I think is important. Here's the other thing I think is important. The people that are advocating Prop A like to talk about business owners and property owners like they're, like they're whiners, like, they shouldn't be so upset if somebody steals a candy bar or somebody breaks a window or somebody spray paints on the side of their building because, like Kevin tried to say, cause he's so concerned about public safety. We need the police out there doing more important things. Kevin is probably somebody who a year or two or three was, was calling to defund the police. I, I, I know, I know the Kevins. You know the Kevins. We all know the Kevins. But what I think is, is, Really obvious is that the people that make these arguments and the people that speak so disparagingly, you know, like when there's looting, they'll say that the morning after some city gets looted, you'll hear somebody say, Oh, well, you know, these businesses have insurance. These are all people with no skin in the game. Okay. They don't, they don't lose anything. They don't, um, they don't own anything like a business or property or a house. They don't care. And they are so jealous and envious of you that they they want to portray you and your, your obsession with public safety as if it's some sort of irrational fear. But I come back to my first point. If you just wanted to have a, a ballot question about lowering the threshold of criminality or making things uh, fine and release then why wouldn't that be the language of the ballot question? See, I I, I go by the camouflage first. That's the first sign that they're up to something. And it's not the pot, and it's not the abortion. And when I saw that older couple get out of a very nice car, they were very nicely dressed, and they went up to the guy in the parking lot, who they didn't even know, because they were about to vote, And they didn't even know what Prop A was. I thought to myself, we may be in trouble. 210-599-5555. Margie's on the radio. Margie, good afternoon.
3: Hi. You know how they word things on the ballot that if you vote yes, you're actually voting no. And then if you're (laughs) voting no, you're actually voting yes. I haven't been to the polls, but I vote every time. And... I just want to know. Okay, and the other thing is, do I vote yes because I don't want it to be passed, or do I vote no? And then I and then it's you vote against it if you don't. Vote. You
2: vote against it if you don't want it to be passed.
3: Right, and I don't want it to be passed. But and I will. But I will tell you, you people, can't. Go ahead, Margie. You can't. These people get tickets for shoplifting every day. They don't show up in court. And then they're back in the store and they're still shoplifting. I mean you know but this is going to make it three four times worse if this thing gets fast and you I'm don't praying it doesn't um, get-
2: yeah you don't you don't the thing you don't want to do and I knew this even before I voted, but after I saw it today, I can really tell you this you don't want to read it for the first time in the voting booth. Because well, it's in tiny I'm little block is. lettering, and it's 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 impossible. It's like reading the ingredients on the back of a jar or something. So get a hold of it online, read it at your leisure, uh, and yeah, you if you don't like it, if you're against it, you vote against it. Um, Tony is on KTSa. Hi, Tony.
4: Hello, Jack. How are you today?
2: I'm good. How are you doing?
4: Good. Uh, I have worked my entire law enforcement career in the Greater Bear County area. Um. Margie's right. There are people getting tickets for thefts all the time when they're under $100. That's state law. There's a provision in state law that says that there's a list of offenses in the statute that gives police officers the right, if it's been set up by the district attorney's office, such as certain types of thefts, trespass, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. to where you don't have to put them in jail, Mm-hmm. You can write them a summons and have them come to court. Mm-hmm. They are still charged criminally. They still have to face a judge. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this operation is going on in Bear County. It's a mm-hmm. system in principle that I happen to agree with, considering the level of violent crime that goes on in Bear County, keep the mm-hmm. officers on the streets, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I've done it before. I agree with it. If my knowledge of proposition, uh, a is correct, the, City Council wants the city police to not charge for it at all. Okay, this is
2: the difference, Tony. I'm, I'm running out of time, so I gotta I gotta just cut to the chase yeah. here. It's the different. What you described at first is the discretion of the officer on the beat. Yes, and absolutely. I think most reason most reasonable people would want that. If you're if you yeah. know your community, if you know the difference between. Uh, you know, a kid that made a mistake and a kid that's per- perpetually in trouble, stuff like that. This is not that. This is not that at all.
4: Correct. Yeah. And, and, this is and,
2: and, the, and the so. Out of my hands. Well, and, and all you need to know is why would we need a justice director who doesn't have any okay. police experience set up by the progressive liberal city council over the police department? Why, why would you need that? If you were giving well, police who are the professionals? The discretion you wouldn't have some social worker calling the shots. The
4: the answer to that will come about that when if and when that kind of thing passes in San Antonio, you're going to be shocked at how many openings SAPD will have right. that they cannot fill quickly. It'll be no, an I amazing loss.
2: We've seen that another yeah we've seen that in other cities. Tony, I got to hold you. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate your call. Appreciate your work. So if you wanted to have an honest debate about whether uh, police should have more discretion on the beat, that would be a good discussion to have. But when you dress up this ballot question, first of all, you make it about three times longer than anyone I've ever seen. And it's in this tiny little print, a block of print that appears on the screen when you vote. When you dress it up with decriminalizing abortion, which the city can't do, decriminalizing uh, marijuana possession, which the city can't do, banning no-knock warrants, which the SAPD already did when Clinton was president, and chokeholds, when you create a justice director, which is, you know, obviously code for we're going to put social workers in charge, what you are trying to do is distract from the real change that you're trying to make. You know, in uh, I have a family member that lives in West Hollywood, California, and they've got a thing going on out there called security ambassadors. It's quite a term. It sounds like something that would be at the U.N., right? Security ambassadors are what they call in West Hollywood unarmed social workers. These are people that patrol the streets with radios, but no weapons and no enforcement authority. So if they see something, they can say something. But the idea is to make the footprint of police and sheriff's departments smaller in West Hollywood. And people are freaking out. And by the way, this this friend of mine is a big-time liberal, and he thought he liked this idea. And, And now he's scared to death to go out of his house. So this is what you're hiding. This is the kernel... That you're hiding inside all the fluff of Proposition A, we know this, we understand this. The question is, will people figure it out before Saturday? Been talking about Prop A, and um, it's coming down to the wire. Tomorrow is the last day of the early voting period, and then Election Day is Saturday. So if you don't vote tomorrow, you can go out on Saturday. Um, I, I I'm just curious if, particularly if you tend to vote like at the same place every election or you have like a consistency you know it's kind of like a lab experiment where you have controlled circumstances like i always go to this library or i always go to this polling place what did it look like to you because this was the lightest turnout i've seen at the place where i usually vote and all i can figure is i usually vote in the early like the front end of the early voting and here i am kind of at the back end but i'm just curious i i would have thought that if, if people were, um, like, really uh, inspired isn't the right word, but, you know, fired up about Prop A, we would see more voters, we might see longer lines, we might see heavier turnout. I, I kind of think if the turnout stays typical, that might actually allow this thing to get through. But we'll see. 210 599 55. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Greyhound Hound buses. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott still sending illegal immigrants to places like Chicago. The mayor has sent him a letter saying you, you need to stop. It's, it's mean. It's cruel. Abbott's also getting dinged for referring to the uh, killer in Cleveland as an illegal immigrant. Oh, and there's this guy here. Listen to this. Uh, Don, I'm going to set up uh, cut number one. Um, This is a guy who's a city councilman somewhere in Indiana, and um, his name is Ryan Webb, and listen to what he has just done. Take a listen to this.
3: A councilman is coming out as a transgender and a woman of color. Delaware County Councilman Ryan Webb announced that he now identifies as an Indian American woman. Since that announcement, he's received some support, but a lot of backlash, many calling him childish, despicable, even calling for things like execution. In a statement Webb gave to ITMate, he says, quote, It is unfortunate that I cannot simply be given the same space and respect to explore my identity that so many of those targeting me demand for themselves. It's possible I may change my mind down the road. The process of identity exploration is complex, and oftentimes at the end of our personal journey, we end right back where we started. Webb goes on to tell IT Mate this is just his true, authentic self.
2: I feel for the news anchor, because she's, she's having to read this straight, you know. So he's a big, doughy, white guy, and he's on some county counts. I think I think it's a county government position in, uh, in Indiana, and... He has declared himself that he identifies as an Indian American woman. And he's obviously not, he hasn't changed his appearance. He's, he looks exactly, he, he posted before and after pictures of himself through the same exact uh, photograph. So he's making them take, uh, seriously his identity change. And they have to take him seriously. They have to read that straight on the news, because of all the lecturing we've all gotten. And I want to get into that a little bit because uh, there was a really interesting uh, exchange on Meet the Press with Vivek Ramaswamy uh, yesterday about this very thing. This very thing that made a lot of sense, and I want to hear want you to hear some of it. So play some of that coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about the White House Correspondence Dinner uh coming up. We were talking about prop A. Really, I think there is an attempt to to turn people against each other in this entire enterprise. In actuality, whether you live in a house or an apartment, whether you own a business or you work for someone who owns a business, we really all want and need the same things. The basic things from government, the the, the ability to, to, to get to work or school safely, the ability to be safe outside our homes, the ability for our places of dwelling to be safe and to feel safe in those places and where we go. And this is a city to which people have moved from all over the country because it was safer than where they were leaving. And now we're attempting to slice the... the Pie a little bit differently and say, well, um, these business owners and these property owners have insurance. And we need to, we need to be more respectful of communities that have been disproportionately impacted by law enforcement and imprisonment and incarceration. But the reality is we're all going to find ourselves in the same boat again if the Prop A mindset gets its way. Because insurance deductibles will go up. Rates will go up. And we will be a less uh, attractive destination for businesses. And as, as uh, the caller who was in law enforcement, I think his name was Tony, uh, mentioned last hour, you will have a harder time attracting and retaining people to the profession of law enforcement. Because Prop A doesn't say, we trust the police. Prop A screams that we don't. That's what the justice director is for. That's why they're not allowed to use discretion. That's why you're forcing them to go against the oath they took. That's why you're forcing them not to enforce the laws uh, that we have. And um, what's unfortunate, I think, is that we are a city that, has had it so good for so long that we don't think we could ever be a San Francisco or a Portland. And I'm not saying this by itself would make us one, but this is a step in that direction. And as I said before, if they were honest and they really wanted to have a debate about decriminalizing vandalism, let's say, they wouldn't have put all the camouflage about abortion and and marijuana in there, which is not enforceable. Angel is on 550 and one oh seven one KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Angel, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon. So, Did you want to
2: talk about Prop A, Angel? Is that why you were calling? Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah I am against it, uh, and I'm, I'm telling everybody I can to be against it. I'm a homeowner. I'm a business owner who closed your business and is starting a new business out of choice, and they don't understand what it takes to do all that, and it's just going to hurt your people and your community. Who are actually following the law
2: mm-hmm. well, I mean, at one time, I think we thought that if you were a business owner and you were in our community, we felt like you were you know you and i were were part of the same thing, but the leftist mindset now is to turn people against. You know turn people that work for a living against people that own businesses and say that you're, you're you live in a different world you you have different needs and values and goals, and what's good for us is bad for you, and what's good for you is bad for us. They need to turn yeah. people against each other in order to make this work so the 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 yeah. knock on you is going to be, you've got insurance, you'll be fine. why should somebody get in trouble just for a little thing, right?
3: What they don't understand is most business owners that's how they pay their bills. that is their job
2: right right yeah no you're not it's not like you're uh, the guy in the monopoly game with the monocle no, sitting on no, a on a, a big bag of money yeah
3: you have your expenses, you have your insurance you have your if you have employees you have your uh uh if they you know, if they get if you fire them, they have that insurance. There's all this other stuff that makes business ownership expensive. Yep. And most business owners, when they start it, they start it small, and they build it up off of their right. own sweat, blood, and tears.
0: Right, right.
3: And that's taking away time from their family. Working and they get paid
2: last, well, and sometimes they don't get paid at all, and their margin yep. is very thin. And if you, if, if you and I think we're having trouble making our personal budgets – A small business budget is strained to the limit right now.
3: Yep. And then not only that, you have the cost of living going up. You have eggs going up. You have meat going up. So all this figures into it. And the the business owner has to make some sort of a profit. They're not in it to help you out, to make you money, and then live like poor people. No, it's an investment. And they're the ones who risk everything. They risk their homes. They risk their savings. They risk everything. And most of them are just ordinary people who want to be in control of their lives and get ahead a little bit. I always say business ownership is the pathway out of poverty, and it is.
2: Yeah. no well,
3: so I, I, I hope hard that hard I hope things.
2: that people have not fallen as completely under the spell of this argument as I'm afraid they may have. I'm hoping that the silent majority is out there, but I sure didn't see him today. I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah, I know. I know we have. So a keep very keep talking experience. to. Yeah,
2: keep talking to people wherever you can, Angel, and I appreciate you. Thank you. I was reading about a little boy named Liam who is in the seventh grade in Massachusetts. He was pulled out of gym class about a month and a half ago, called into the office, had no idea why, had never been in any trouble. He was told that his T-shirt was making other students feel unsafe. His T-shirt read, there are only two genders. They told him he could go back to class if he took it off. He said nope. They called his parents. This was the subject of a interesting exchange between presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, Meet the Press host on uh, Sunday on NBC. I want to play this uh, for you. They were talking about, um, they were talking about a number of things and, and, and the sort of the central theme of the questioning to Ramaswamy was how can you unite the country when you have divisive uh, positions on things. And he was saying, well, I don't, I don't think these positions are, uh, divisive. And he was saying we should stop treating the trans issue, um, or we should start treating the trans issue with the right kind of compassion. Compassion is not going along with people's delusion. Compassion is understanding they have a problem. Cut number four.
5: I think that when a kid says that I'm born into the wrong body, that my gender doesn't match my biological sex, Mm -hmm. more often than not, that is a case of a mental health disorder. That doesn't mean you disrespect that person. Mm -hmm. It means they're crying out for help. I met with two young women who regret the decisions they made going through double mastectomies, one a hysterectomy, chemical intervention. Now trying to teach kids across the country that when you're struggling inside, going through adolescence, yes, that involves some struggle. We live in a cultural moment today where adults are affirming that confusion rather than actually ever treating them compassionately. That's cruelty.
2: And so then the question was, well, if you're a conservative, why don't you want the government to just stay out of all this? Cut number five.
5: What makes it compassionate, though, to uh, pass a law that denies a parent uh, uh, making their own health care decision for their kid? That's the part of this. That doesn't sound very conservative in small government to me. Well, look, there isn't a state in this union that allows you to smoke an addictive cigarette before the age of 18 that allows you to get a tattoo before the age of 18. That's a body-altering change that a kid may later regret in life. So I think it is perfectly reasonable to say that... If you're after 18 years old, you're free to decide whatever you want to do. That's what it means to live in a free country. But below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers. You're calling it that, gender transition. but how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know, are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is... Uh, as binary as you're describing it, are you confident that it isn't a spectrum? I am. Uh, you know I'm. this as a scientist. Well, there's there's two X chromosomes. If you're a woman, an X and a Y. That means there's you're a, a man. lot so of scientific research out this. there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that oh. says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder, and I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm-hmm. what they're asking for is, you gotta ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding I, for the last I go hundred years.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I love the way Chuck Todd says, well, are, are you, are you a scientist? This is from the journalists who for years lectured us about getting the vaccine. None of them were scientists, but suddenly you have to be a scientist to have an opinion about whether there are two genders. Cut number six
5: we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually Mm -hmm. take those steps so part of what i think is listen gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it Mm -hmm. is a condition of suffering my question is why on earth are we going out of our way Mm -hmm. to create even more of it and there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country even education Mm -hmm. is creating more gender dysphoria if it's a condition of suffering let's not create more of it that's what we're doing
2: so let me ask you this and we're going to we're going to check KTSA time saver traffic here, but I want to I want to put this question in front of you and then we'll go to the phones. Should the law say if you're under 18, you have to get your parent or parents to sign off on surgically altering your body to be a woman or be a a, a man? Or should the law say it is a criminal act to allow, enable any minor to get this surgery? Meaning, we're not leaving it up to parents just because you're under 18. We don't say to parents, you know, the the other laws don't apply if you say they don't, right? So, should the law be no one under 18, or should the law be, 18-year-olds have to get a parent to sign off consent to basically to gender-altering treatment, gender-altering surgery. And I use that term, and I know you'll get mad at me. I I realize that even if you cut it off or cut them off, you haven't altered your gender. But that's just the that's the common terminology so people will understand what I'm asking about. Where do you come down on that? Don, let's go back and play that last cut. I think it was cut number six. Because he says something that I want to, Kind of underscore here. This is Vivek Ramaswamy and Chuck Todd on Meet the Press.
5: We've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it Mm -hmm. is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way Mm -hmm. to create even more of it? And there's no doubt.
2: that's, that's a key point that I've not heard anybody else bring up. Like w- when we talk about this phenomenon, and I've, I've brought the question or I've framed it this time in terms of, um, should the law be that we don't do this? This is not acceptable. This is not proper, uh, medicine for people under 18, or is this a parental family privacy, let them decide type of decision. And his point is, we have poisoned the well of modern day parenting. We have told parents today that their children will kill themselves if we don't give into and go along with what for decades, for centuries, was understood to be a dysfunction, a dysphoria, a condition. And so, needless to say, I think if you leave this up to parents, if you say, well, even if you're 12 or 13 or 14, but if mom or dad goes along, please understand, this isn't like other parental decisions. People have been scared out of their minds about this issue. They have been told you are, you are going to be culpable in the death or suicide or permanent misery of your child if you don't give in and have the surgery. But the, the truth is actually more and more often the opposite. What we're seeing more and more is that the misery, the hopelessness, the I can't go on, is with young people that have done this under whatever auspices they've done it and now can't stand themselves, don't like what they've done, realize it isn't what they wanted. Because here's something we've all known for a long time. You don't really know what you want when you're a child. And one of the most important functions of parenting is to protect children from impulses that aren't good and we've now programmed a generation of parents to say well don't don't intervene don't don't think you know better don't say anything don't miss don't um you know disapprove you have to be your child's cheerleader if they make this decision or or think they have 210-599-5555 dr mark havercorn calling into the show doc good afternoon
6: hi jack how are you? I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I I I was I looked at the screen. I thought, well, this is not one that I would have thought would have brought him to the, uh, to the show, <laughs> but I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this, because people should know you are, of course, a, not only an oral surgeon, but a medical doctor and a, a parent.
6: Yes. So first off, just regarding my specialty, there are oral surgeons who make a great deal of money on feminization of the male face. I haven't really seen it the other way, but you can find that if you just go Google it. Um, so it's in my that. industry. there's Yeah, uh, there are papers written in my industry. You can shave the voice box to get rid of the Adam's apple. You can round off the <laughs> eyebrow, you know, the, the brow, soften the face. Um, mm. So that's all done. Yeah, I, I don't do it, obviously. Um, I, I agree with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. And, in fact, I think that this shouldn't be legal at any age. I think this is one of these procedures that just shouldn't be done. Um, you know, and... Just like, uh, at least in Texas, abortion is not legal under any circumstance, if I believe that's correct. Um, and...
2: Do you think people have have been convinced? You, you just mentioned um, cosmetic surgery of the mouth and the face. Do, do you think people believe this is a form of cosmetic surgery, that it's akin to getting your tummy tucked or getting your face lifted?
6: I... Uh, I think a lot of people who go through it see, think it's more than that. They really think that it's going to change their whole life. That they're, you know. I, I, but I mean, I wonder if the public are- is
2: sort of sleepwalking through this. I agree with you. The people that go through it, obviously, yeah. are racked with remorse. But the public that's just sort of sitting rendering judgment may be thinking, well, hey, uh, is this just people that want to look in the mirror and like what they see?
6: People probably do think that you know the face surgery is not terribly radical. even the top surgery is not terribly radical, but the bottom surgeries that they do are fraught with complications and problems. Um, the the flaps and the reconstructive techniques that they use for those kind of surgeries are used to reconstruct mouth and face cancers. and it is not an easy surgery. it is like I said, fraught with complications can lead to a lifetime of misery. It's not. Those kind of surgeries especially are not just a little minor surgery. And you know, even well, and even tummy tucks are given a cute little name, but it's right. a pretty big surgery. You right. know? Right. Uh, but yeah, you're probably right. that some that's some people don't think it's a big deal. I,
2: I guess too, for a lot of us and you'll have to forgive my naivete on this, we, we I guess we would have thought that if there were obvious dangers no offense, but your profession would be the one leading the the charge, l- l- letting us know. I, I guess I'm very old-fashioned money. in my thinking, but I would have liked to have thought, you know, four out of five dentists or whatever, we'd be hearing yeah. from doctors more than, more than commentators, more than political candidates. W- w- why isn't this obviously a concern to people that have taken the Hippocratic Oath? Well,
6: number one, it's too much money on the table, and so people just... Will compromise themselves because those are high dollar surgeries, but then also just the fear of backlash, cancel culture, and all of that. I mean, you know, I thought twice before I called you. I thought, do I really want to say this in public? But yeah, I do. Right. You know. Uh, well, I mean,
2: we we need people who know to speak the truth uh, because I, I think I think this has all happened in a vacuum, and I think Vivek Ramaswamy ma- made a good point about parents believing that it's an act of love when their child comes to them and tearfully says, I think I'm in the wrong body, to, to go along with that and to say, well, we'll get you what you need. Um, that's a retraining of parental instincts, I believe.
6: Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. There, I saw a, a tweet, I think it was, that kind of went viral in the last few days where a mom, said, a mom that was dealing with this said, I had to even accept that maybe my daughter wouldn't be alive in the morning when I went to check on her, but I was Mm -hmm. not going to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And everyone thought that she was a, or the left thought she was a horrible mother. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in that position. No parent wants to be in that position. I mean, he's right that in some cases this is really heart wrenching, terrible stuff, but to just go along with it and mutilate your kid and it can never be changed. And their life is forever altered. That's not the right answer. Yeah.
2: Um, I think you said at the beginning of your call, but correct me if I heard you wrong, you're not really feeling this for people of any age.
6: Um, yeah, that's correct. I, I don't think that we should be doing this to anyone. There's a, another type of dysphoria where patients want to be disabled and will ask to have healthy limbs amputated. And we think that, you know, I don't know of any doctor that would do that. And even in uh, Matt Walsh's, you know, What is a Woman film, he talked about it. And and the same person who would do a gender transformation thought that that was ridiculous. Why are you even comparing it? Well, because in both cases, we're removing healthy body parts. Right. That is, there is a valid comparison there. And if you think it's nuts to take off somebody's arm because they want it off, but you don't think it's nuts to mutilate their body, you know, I, I don't understand that.
2: That is a very that is a very good point. I can't. That's unassailable logic, and it just goes to show how twisted and tied up we are uh, over yes. over this issue. And and I guess then the question becomes: How did we get this way? But Dr. Havercorn, good to hear from you. Always appreciate your calling.
6: Thank you. Have a good evening.
2: Bye. You as well. We're going to take more of your calls coming up two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. There is a theory I heard. I want to share it with you. Um, I mean, you may be thinking to yourself right now, wh- wh- where did this come from? I mean, I don't remember hearing about this X number of years ago. Well, I'll tell you one theory as to how we got here. Uh, and I want to know what you think about it. 210-599-5555. The, the question I sort of framed was, would you, would you say this should be up to families? Would you say this should not be on the table for anybody under a certain age, whether a parent agrees or not? Uh, or do you have some other, line you would draw on uh, what they call transitioning which is a really euphemistic word for mutilating the body in an effort to uh... convince someone who thinks they are in the wrong body that now they have the right body which cruelly is usually not the case as it turns out so do you leave it up to parents or do you say we just don't do this or what this Transitioning, sex changes, surgery. I'm gonna play something for you and I'm not I'm not endorsing this person. I, I, I I'm only playing this because he makes a point that I think is worth hearing. His name is Ollie London, and he's one of these uh influencers, I guess you would you would call him or social media influencers. So quick story on him. He's written some books, and he's done some different things. I think he's got another book coming out. He started as a man. He went through a period where he had all this surgery because he wanted to look like a member of BTS, the South Korean boy band. He, he developed an obsession with one of the guys in BTS. And he had all this stuff done, and in my opinion, it didn't make him look anything like him. Then he identified as a woman. And now he has detransitioned back to being a man. So make of that what you, you will. Okay? And he's a big time liberal and lefty and environmentalist. I'm not I'm not in accord with him I, I I guess on anything, except I thought this was an interesting observation about how we got to this point with kids and gender dysphoria. Take a listen to this cut number two. So
7: when you're on TikTok, you now see Thousands and thousands of transgender, non-binary influencers, getting millions of followers, getting millions of views, um, because it really has become a trend. But this is not just any trend. It's not a trend when you become a goth for the day or you start a dance trend. This is a trend that destroys lives. It destroys families. It destroys the lives of children. It teaches children that the only way to feel happy and to accept themselves is to mutilate their bodies through surgery, through taking very harmful hormones, We have to look at the correlation as well um, between um, when TikTok came about 2018. Suddenly, that was when we really started to experience the rise in medical transitions of kids. It was rising before that, but we saw a sharp, significant rise since the advent of TikTok back in 2018. So we really need to look at the harms of this. and We really need to come up with a better solution in order to keep kids protected online. TikTok works with an AI algorithm, so they... Check what you're interested in, and they push and feed you videos related to your interests. So, you know, if you're a kid that maybe stumbles across a video that's about gender ideology and you watch the whole video for 15 seconds, TikTok will remember that and just keep showing you the same kind of content. So, that was what happened with me. I saw a lot of gender identity videos, people just expressing themselves. I was like, you know what, maybe I can change my identity, maybe I can transition. And that was really when I transitioned during the height of my. TikTok addiction. Every time it was just nothing but praise. From all these people that have pronouns in their bios, praising me, saying, this is amazing. Uh, you're incredible. We finally support you. When previously, you know, months earlier, they were attacking me and sending me hate. So you know, that's the experience I had. So the more I shared my transition story, the more views it got. And uh, that's what's happening with everyone. When you see someone that shares their transition yeah. journey. So on what TikTok, he's
2: saying, what he's saying is and I don't know if this is true, and I'm not expert enough to, to to judge it, but it sounds plausible to me. He's saying that it was around the time that kids began to spend a lot of time on TikTok that the we, we began to hear and see all these young people who were confused. And I think if we knew that the confusion came from external sources – if we could understand this as a kind of outward external influence and pressure, I feel like parents would then know it's my job, because this is the the central function of being a parent, it's your job to put yourself between the evils of the world and your kid. Before he or she can be their own decision maker, that's what you do. But if people think, oh, this has been in my little girl or my little boy all along, I need to support and love and, 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 and understand, then I think they fall for it. I think they do what we were just talking about with the doctor and what Vivek Ramaswamy was, was, was talking about. But if you realized or if it occurred to you, Hey, wait a minute. People that have no uh, interest in or concern about my kid are. This are this influence. That's where it's coming from. And if we start to think about our own, when we we're teenagers and how awkward we were and how much we hated our acne or we hated our hair or whatever it is, um, just imagine at you at your most awkward, you at your most self-loathing, whatever age that was. And this was what you were hearing and this is what you were surrounded by. You think I would never do that, but you don't know. Cause this wasn't, this wasn't what you were marinating in. When you were that age, have you uh, have you heard about what happened uh, to ABC with the Knicks Heat game where they went to I guess they went to a commercial break and they took like a long shot of New York
1: and it was old footage that showed the Twin Towers? Uh, You know, I saw a very short headline. I didn't read about this, but now. okay, that makes sense. Yep.
2: And they're taking all this heat, and it was so terrible and insensitive. But I think what happened here, I'm going to have to defend them on this because it's not like they haven't shot any video of the New York City skyline since 2001. Of you know course, they have, of course. So undoubtedly, almost undoubtedly, they probably have all this stuff in a in a you know video bank, and somebody who was working on the fly and was in a big hurry because I know because my my younger brother used to work for NBC. And did a lot of archival stuff with them. When somebody would die, you'd have to pull up old footage for the uh, obituary and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And, And probably somebody just pulled up, like, first thing they saw, NYC Skyline,
1: right? Yep, that's exactly what happened. Popped it up there. Well, we can do the same thing here with audio. I've done it. Yeah, you try to, to keep some audio for evergreen type stuff, yeah. and sometimes yeah. you just, well, you know, after two years, that didn't quite, yeah. <laughs> didn't quite work the same way. But If that's the worst uh,
2: thing ABC Sports does, I think we'll be all right. I think we're fine, yeah. yeah. All right. Later in this hour, the results on the JR poll question about Prop A. We're going to talk more about that. 210-599-5555. So a little boy in Massachusetts is sent home from school because he won't change his T-shirt that reads, there are only two genders. Aside from the whole it made other people feel unsafe thing, which is the excuse we use for everything now, um, I wonder what would have happened if he had worn a T-shirt with the periodic table on it. Because the periodic table is also scientific fact. And I don't think they would have said, oh, you're going to have to take that off. There are only two genders. There are people who believe or think they believe that they are something else. But there's only two combinations of chromosomes. And that's not a theory or a ideology. What's interesting about all of this is I think the first time I heard culture war, and it was a long time ago so i'm i may be wrong but i think the first time i heard culture war it was um used by people on the left or in the you know in the in the left wing of political thinking and it was used to I guess resist or besmirch conservatives that were objecting to some language or change or point of view, and it was called a war on the culture, a culture war, meaning that the left was the culture and you and I as conservatives were the barbarians, that we were a threat to culture. They were the guardians of culture they were the, they were the keepers of all things beautiful and true, and we were the people that represented a threat to that. This was a long time ago. But I don't think it was true then, and I know it's not true now. So now when we resist their agenda, we are the, the dangerous ones. We are the barbarians. We are the ignoramuses. We're the ones that don't care about people. We see this conflict. Uh, over the trans community. A fraction of 1% of our population identifies as transsexual, but somehow that agenda is always in the news cycle. It's an onslaught of public relations like we've never seen before. It's being marketed like a soft drink. Get yours today. Of course, they say they're being marginalized They are, in fact, on the margins. They're they're a fraction of 1%. But they receive exponentially more coverage than that measurement would deserve, and almost all of it is favorable. And when anyone dares to criticize or even just put a limit like, hey, I don't think kids should see that, we come down on them like an avalanche. We're told to ignore science, By people that for the last three years were claiming they were the science. We're told to pretend we don't know and can't see that biological males are dominating females in athletics. We're rewriting the dictionary. And so to me, we are actually the defenders of the culture or the civilization. Resisting them is not a culture war. They're waging a culture war. We're defending the culture. We're defending what we know is true from being reframed, redefined. We should defend the dictionary. I know that sounds weird, but the dictionary is full of definitions of words and Those definitions come from the derivation of those words, and they come from the traditional usage of those words. And those definitions are the truth. And every time you hear the dictionary being revised and edited, all that really means is the truth is being taken out of it and subjectivity is being put into it. And if you asked somebody, hey, how do you spell such and such a word, you'd only want the answer if it was the correct spelling. You wouldn't want their approximation of the spelling. That's not what you're asking for. You're asking for the exact spelling. We should also insist on the exact meaning of words. So when his T-shirt on this little boy in Massachusetts said, there are only two genders, that's true. And instead of sending him home, they ought to send home every friggin' adult who hassled him, whoever pulled him out of class, whoever scared him by demanding he go to the office, whoever ostracized him, whoever told him to take his shirt off in school, which, by the way, don't even get me started, whoever said, I'm going to call your parents, which to a good kid is literally bowel liquefying. It's the worst thing you can hear. It's like hearing you're going to go to the firing squad. Send them home and keep them home. Tell me what you think 210 599 Because what's happening here is there is a delusion but you're being told it's you. You're being told that you're you're mean, you're heartless, you're cold or you're outmoded. But you're being told that by people who just on their own decided 5 minutes ago that words had new meanings and The science of the last 2,000 years is inaccurate. Remember, these are people that can't paint a painting but can throw soup on one. These are people that can't write a book but can edit the books of other people. These are people that can't build, create, establish, endow, but they know how to take other people's names, the people who should be getting credit, off of those things. And now we're going to tell them, or we're going to have them tell us. Oh, by the way, there's more than two genders, or genders not binary, or it's fluid. It's fluid. Mm. I like when they say that because that makes it sound like they're not asking for a blank check; they're asking for a whole book of blank checks, right? I don't know who said it. I wish I wish I knew. Um, if I get if I find out, I'll give credit. But somebody said it's not that the majority are silent it's that the media are silent about the majority and i just think there are a lot of things a lot of the stuff we talk about on this show and and just a lot of the issues in general where if you if you watch the news you follow the news you might think am i the only one or are there are there very many of us who don't think that's right or don't think this makes sense or I can't believe we're doing this or saying that or redefining words? I I just keep in mind that it's always been, you know, the squeaky wheel, right? It's always been a talent some people have to amplify their voice. And obviously anyone that wants to change a culture it's going to start out in the extreme minority okay but they're going to have to convince people that hey everyone's over here with us it's a gigantic bluff but you have to do it whatever you're doing whether you're whether you're the nazis taking over germany in the 1930s or whatever it is you have to start with the with the idea that you know what we're not crazy you're crazy for not being with us everybody's over here everybody feels this way we're fixing the dictionary. We're redefining science. Now, a few years ago, if you had said, hey, well, I want to try ivermectin, how dare you tamper with science? But now, right, there's 47 genders. Don't question me. So it's a giant bluff. It's not that the majority are silent. It's a silence about the majority. 210 599 Fifty-five. I. I want to say just one more thing about the the parents and gender dysphoria thing. I, I am a parent. I respect and care for all people that are that are parenting. You, you, I'm in your, I'm in your corner. I have your back. I, I, when I say that I think people are being pressured, stampeded, whatever, I I, I say it with sympathy. I know you're doing the best you can. I just think people have done a number on you. I think people have pulled strings and convinced you that you need to go along with things or you should consider going along with things that your heart, your gut, your instincts tell you no. And I get it. And I don't mean to make it sound like it's easy because I know it's not. It's not for me either. So all of a sudden in the last few days... I'm seeing stories, Ken's five to the story. It's, it's on my neighborhood. Uh, what do you call those things next door or whatever? Everybody's talking about these card skimmers on gas pumps and they're not new. It's, this has been going on for years where, um, people intercept your credit or debit card data and steal it while you're doing what you think is a legitimate transaction. There have been, there have been, uh, food servers at restaurants that have been bagged wearing a skimmer on their belt. You pay your bill at the restaurant, they skim your card. The, the, there have been skimmers uh, at gas stations. And the new twist, and this was in the Ken's Five story, and I assume this is the one everybody's talking about, uh, the new twist is that the skimmers are um, on the outside of the pump, so it's not tampering with the existing credit card receiver. It's actually replacing it, and it looks like it's part of the pump. It's got a brand name on it. It's painted to match the pump, et cetera, et cetera. And so everybody's warning everybody: Hey, be careful! If it's if it's loose, if it doesn't look right, uh, report it. If you have that um, that that chip where you can you know your it can read your card. I think it's called RI. Uh, Radio Frequency, RFID, use that. But here, as I'm listening to all this and I'm reading these things, am I the only one who's thinking that, yes, it's good to warn the public, I'll, I'll keep an eye peeled, but businesses have a responsibility here. You're not just sitting there like an innocent bystander. If you're a business, whether you're a gas station, a restaurant, whatever else, I want you to be on the lookout for this. Don't just tell me to be on the lookout for it. I'm holding you responsible if your equipment, your, uh, you know, if your point of payment, if you will, has been compromised. I mean, I think we're getting this backwards. The first responsibility. Am I wrong about this? Tell me if I am. The first responsibility. Is the business owner or operator or franchisee, gas station, whatever it is, you can't just, you're not, you're not like a bystander to this. If this is on your pump or if your employees are not being vigilant and, and, and taking these things off and calling these things in and shutting down a pump that doesn't look right, I put this on you. So I will be vigilant, but it is your job to look out for your customers. I can't believe we even have to say that. That's just obvious. I mean, part of the deal, (laughs) right? If I'm your customer, part of the deal is I expect a little effort. I expect you to be awake, aware. I mean, you should know more about this than I do. If it's your pump, if it's your point of payment, you know, your payment terminal, I'm just a guy with a card in his wallet. This is something you deal with all the time. I thought it was interesting how the all of the focus, all of the coverage was telling people. But I didn't see it, word one as to whether businesses were responsible. Don't you think they are? Should be? And, and I'm not saying they aren't or that none of them care. I, I, I imagine most of them do care. But it starts with that. Okay, so if I go to your business, and I'm just doing a legit transaction and something is wrong with your point of payment and my data gets stolen. Okay. I'm not going to be like, Oh, I was so dumb. I'm going to be like, Where, what kind of business are you operating? You know, if this is a thing and apparently, like it's apparently it's a thing in Hollywood Park right now, uh, there's a gas station in Hollywood Park where they found one. You should be out there checking these pumps all the time. Right? Tell me if you think I've got this wrong, but I just, to me, this is first and foremost the responsibility of people that are taking our money, right? Later in this half hour, we'll have the results on the JR poll question. Uh, but right now, I want to check the Jack Chat line, and that's 210-599-5550. That sounds like our call-in number, but our call-in number is 5555. The Jack Chat line is 5550. I know, only one digit. It's tricky, I know. But But the difference is the Jack Chat line is like voicemail. So if you want to leave your thoughts, your opinion, your argument, your blowback about something, if you're listening to the podcast and you can't call in because it's not live or you have a job where you can't be calling in anyway, or maybe you, maybe you have a thought about something we were saying at 420 and now it's 640 and you, you know, you missed it, but you want to get your, your thought in anyway. That's what the Jack Chat line is for. It's open all the time. 210-599-5550. Let's. Hit up the Jack Chat line.
4: Hi, I'm Jim from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I listen to their podcasts all the time. Regarding uh, who I'd like to see a debate, I would like to see Trump versus Biden debate, not because it would be interesting, but because just to show people how they're both of them are inept. And maybe that would be enough to... Choose somebody else. I just, I just find it hard to believe that those are. I voted for Trump. I didn't, don't dislike him that much, but there's still got to be better people than those who would be president. Biden. Now we were
2: we were talking about um, this was last. I don't know if this is Friday or last week. Uh, which would you rather see? I think it was Friday, right? Which would you rather have a see as a debate? Biden and Trump or Robert Kennedy Jr. and Vivek Ramaswamy, because they are kind of the, I don't know, idea oriented contenders in each of their parties, at least in the field so far. So I guess, I guess Jim's point was, well, people need to see that Trump Biden is not a good choice. I'm still not really sure that will be the choice. If. If that, if it does come down to that, and I know that's the conventional wisdom, I know if you were placing a safe bet, that's what you would bet. But if it does come down to that, then I think we have to start questioning whether these matchups have anything to do with us at all. Because it doesn't seem like that is what most people want, or even a plurality of people want. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to change your mind about anybody, I'm just saying. That would not seem to be an organic outcome. And you may be hearing me right now going, well, Jack, of course it's not us. Of course we don't choose these people. It's just, that's an illusion. Okay, well, that may be true. This would be further evidence of that. I mean, at this point, Biden and Trump wouldn't even be a debate. They'd have Biden all hopped up on something like he was at the White House correspondence Dinner. And they'd have, you know, and, and Trump would be on a seek-and-destroy mission for old grievances, the 2020 election, et cetera, et cetera. I I, I don't know if the Trump that came out in 2015 and seemed so laser-focused on what was wrong is still in there. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and he is, but I'm not seeing it. I'm seeing a guy that's coming up with nicknames for other conservatives Who are much more conservative than him. I'm seeing a guy that is easily pulled into the weeds. I'm also getting a strong whiff that the left really wants the matchup with him. It's never a good idea to let your opponents pick your leader. You know, we we you don't let your in in a war you don't let your enemy pick your commanding general. we'll see, see what happens. But that was the question we asked on Friday about which debate you would prefer. All right, let's get one more on the Jack chat line.
4: Hey, Jack, this is Mike out of San Antonio. I was listening to uh, what you had to say about Jerry Springer, and it reminded me of uh, another commentator on the television who came out about 10 years prior, gentleman by the name of Wally George, uh, came out in the 80s uh, back in Southern California uh, one of the original, they called it at the time, Combat TV. Later, we called them Shock Jocks, uh, where they would bring on guests and and have conflicting commentaries and uh, uh, you know, real real mix of entertainment and politics. If you've never heard of it, I suggest you you, you give a look to, to, to Wally George and one of the pioneers of the genre.
2: Hmm. Um, I only heard of him. I I did not get to see him. Um, I know that he was a local uh host in I think LA or Orange County. I think he actually started um even earlier than the fifties. I think he was doing things in the sixties and seventies too. But yeah, I've I've heard of him and and yeah, I think he would be in that same kind of vein. He was more ideological, like where Jerry Springer I don't think was as ideological. But I will say one thing about whether it's Jerry Springer or or any of these people, you can You can hate what they do or love what they do. You can agree with them or you can disagree with them. You can think that it's trash TV or think anything you want. I would rather live in a society where the Jerry Springers and the Wally Georges can get on TV, can attract a following if they're able to, then live in a society where somebody who thinks they are my moral superior picks and chooses what gets seen. I'm not good with that approach. I don't want to live in a world. And I'll find the quote tomorrow. I can't put my hands on it now, but there's a, there's a famous, famous quote from Judge Learned Hand, who was one of the most famous uh, judges in American history. And, um, he said something along the lines of, I wouldn't want to live in a world where somebody else was making, you know, those choices for us or deciding who who we could hear and who we could read. And, um, and when you think about the kind of people that would be most eager to be our guardians and our censors, they're really kind of usually the worst people, right? I mean, they're just, they're kind of nasty, gnarly, um, dried out. People. So I'm all right with a 500 channel, 5,000 channel, 5 million channel universe. I'm all right with a lot of talking heads and voices and crazies. And I, I I trust myself. I trust you. We can pick our way through all that. I'm not a fan of this new crusade to eliminate, you know, misinformation and dangerous opinions and, um, Because what's really dangerous are the people that think they can decide all that for us. They're really dangerous. They scare me. 210-599-5555. So you can hit the Jack Chat line anytime, and we'll play some more of those tomorrow. Uh, This week, Lawrence Jones is going to be guest hosting the Tucker Carlson time slot, the former Tucker Carlson time slot on Fox. So if you're a fan of Lawrence Jones, and I am, I think he's a good guy. He's a Texan. Um, He's going to get to do this week. I don't know if he's a candidate for the permanent position or not, but I've always liked Lawrence Jones. Megan Kelly, who used to work at Fox and who I've mentioned before, I think has a really good uh, show on satellite and does a podcast, and I don't see it every day, but I I find what she has to say and what she does very worthwhile. And she seems very plugged into this Tucker Carlson thing. I don't know if it's because she used to work at Fox and knows people there or if there's some other reason. She says he has not actually been fired yet. She says that he actually is simply off the air but still under contract. His contract ran through the end of next year. And what happens when you have a situation like that is the company can actually basically hold you prisoner. They can, by virtue of paying out your contract, um, bar you from appearing on a competitor or in a situation where you would be a competitor. It's called a non-compete. And so when everybody was speculating, will he go here, will he go there, will he do this, will he do that, it's possible, and this would be up to them, and it would be, I'm not saying it's likely, I'm just saying it's possible that they will keep him in a box through the election. I mean, they've just spent $800 million to settle one lawsuit, They are facing another one. If they settle that one, that will again be hundreds of millions of dollars. They owe him tens of millions of dollars. It might explain why he's being kind of cryptic. And in fact, um, according to one person who reached out to him and asked him about this theory that Megyn Kelly is putting out, he... Allegedly, I, I can't confirm this, he allegedly responded simply, I'm still employed by Fox. So that may sound weird, but that would not be weird in the broadcasting uh, business. And sometimes the way the way a non-compete uh, clause ends is either um, a period of time has to go by or it has to be negotiated or sometimes... Uh, you go to court and you say I'm being unlawfully restrained from earning a living. There is some principle that says, uh, you know, you have a right to pursue work. So it's all very complicated and over my head, but that's just that's that's a possibility that at the moment he may not be free uh, to do anything. He's, <laughs> I mean, he's he is probably very well fixed because of what he has been paid and what he will be paid. I mean, I'd like to like to have a year and a half to do nothing for $20 million. But um, I, I think if we know him at all, I don't think he would be willing to sit. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would. If he believes the stuff he seems to believe with the ardor that he seems to bring to it, uh, I can't imagine that That would be okay with him. I mean, all kidding about easy money and stuff aside. So we'll see what happens. On the JR poll presented by River City Oral Surgery, does it look to you like Prop A passes or fails? On the JR poll, 77% said it looks like it fails. 23% say it looks like it passes. We'll have a new question tomorrow. We get started at four. But you can find the JR poll anytime at KTSA.com. Seems like it's been a while since we talked about um, Bernie Sanders. He's back in the news today. Bernie Sanders uh, has a new idea. He says we need to um, confiscate, we meaning the government, the government needs to confiscate all wealth over $999 million. At a certain point, You've made enough money. Remember Barack Obama saying that? Barack Obama, though, never made any moves toward it. You know, the more you look back on Barack Obama, the more you realized he was pretty good at saying the stuff the left wanted to hear. Not as good at doing it. Maybe not even really trying very hard. I mean, it, it's, it may be too early to, Draw a line under the Biden presidency, but I'm going to say right now, it looks like the Biden presidency is going to be exponentially more radical and have more of an impact on the long term than Obama's presidency did. And who would have thought that? Anyway, back to Bernie Sanders. He is not running for president. He endorses Biden. But he says, um, and this was, I think this was, uh, something he said on CNN. Billionaires should not exist. We should go back. They, they love to say we should go back to the tax policies of Dwight Eisenhower, the left and the progressives You would think Dwight Eisenhower was Vladimir Lenin. <laughs> they always used to hate the fifties, but now the, now we need the tax rates of the fifties. So anything over a billion, it all goes. Uh, to the government. And we can talk about that a little bit tomorrow. That may grab you. That may be an idea that appeals to you until you consider, until you consider what the government would do with that money. And what would the government do when that money was gone? Because it would be. I mean, if you give the government that kind of wealth all at once, and I'm, I'm going to deduct some of it because people will flee the country and they'll shield their, shelter their money and the billionaires aren't going to sit there. But, but whatever they were able to get their, their mitts on, it would be an orgy of big government. And then the, the, the hangover would be unbelievable, right? Like the, the aftermath of running through all that and they'd run through it. So it'd be like a, be like a a a drunk found a 100 dollar bill outside a bar, right? He's not he's not going to go to the he's not going to go to the 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 bank with it. He's going to go into the bar with it. Anyway, that's Bernie's newest idea. Bernie Sanders the one thing that does not get better with age. Well, I mentioned earlier the White House correspondence dinner was over the weekend and I wanted to play this for you as I guess a sign of when it used to be funny and how seriously these reporters take themselves. This is Norm McDonald, the late Norm MacDonald. He was the MC, the comedian, at the nineteen ninety-seven White House Correspondence Dinner. Take a listen to this.
8: I had a lovely stay here so far. I've been sightseeing, you know, and uh, in fact I stopped in a museum. This is probably interesting to you guys. They have this news museum now. Have you seen this? it's a museum that's dedicated to broadcast journalism and they have all sorts of, you know, tributes to to Edward R. Murrow and such, you know and uh, they have this one fascinating place, it's a, a kind of an interactive display and visitors what they can do is they can appear on camera and pretend that they are real journalists, you know so far it's been visited twenty times by Matt Lauer but uh... Oh, oh. This was are so shot
2: Oh, how could he?
8: Oh. I guess he? he's a legend, too. I didn't know. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Murrow, Severide, Edwards, and Lauer. <laughs> All right. Uh, and also today, I took a, a visit to the White House. For any of you who haven't taken a visit to the White House, unbelievable. So, you know, awe-inspiring and, you know, very lot rich in history, so beautiful, you know. Although I did uh, notice a kind of an odd sign on the president's desk. It said, uh, the yen stops here. Have you seen it? <laughs> What the hell's that mean all right we'll we'll play more of
2: that for you tomorrow norm mcdonald from the 1997 white house correspondence dinner have a great night catch our podcast at ktsa.com